as we continue to engage in the transformation series, we're going to call up Dr. Apostle Susan Howard. trying to work that whole YouTube algorithm like Minister Tasha and I 
we are learning a lot about it. And it's just certain little tweaks you can find. And you can go from 1,000 followers to 100,000 followers right to a million followers. But you have to understand how the algorithm works. And um, he, he basically said to me, I allowed it to happen because I want millions of people to see how quickly I can take you out of this earth. So he's using his prophetic examples, and we can't take it for granted. I, I mean, it, I'm, I'm really in an uncomfortable state in my soul with what God is doing and what he's shown me regarding the end of this age and death, and it's, it's really uncomfortable for me. So I know he's going to complete this lesson and this instruction that he's teaching me right now, but it's really almost to an uncomfortable place where I almost could feel like maybe a fear in the earth. And fear makes me feel very uncomfortable. And I've never been fearful. And that's not a brag. I think I haven't been fearful because I've been kind of ignorant. You know, ignorant is bliss. And when you're ignorant to things, you're fearless to a lot of things. And it's like the Lord is taking some of the ignorance, the, the darkness to certain matters, and he's bringing it to light. And when he's bringing it to light, it's causing like this, this unsteadiness, like we really don't have any control. Like we really can be in church today together and get a call an hour later. We could wake up in the morning complaining about going to work and find out somebody, I just was in church with them. That's like the most stupidest thing I see we post. I just talked to them a week ago. What that mean? You ever see people post that? I, I, this one really hurts. That's what they say on Facebook. Like, what, what do we, what do we, what? we got to get this wake up call. We're in this together. We're living life together, but in a twinkling of an eye, we can lose breath and be out of here. And it really brings it back to perspective for us. Are we ready? Are we ready? Because it's obvious we can't fight God with death. We can't even choose how we're going to go. I ask him. I've been asking him for 30 years about how I want to die. Y'all don't have conversations like that with him? I've had that conversation with him. I've had some conversations with him about things in my body that I don't want to happen. You know, I started early talking to the Lord. But you cannot choose how you're going to die. But you can choose where you're going to go after you leave this earth. Old time message. We can't choose. We have no say so. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how many people you blessed. It doesn't matter how righteous you are. Doesn't matter how well known you are. When he says, that's it. He can just cut off the oxygen to you and you're gone. People who survived COVID are being taken out now. I hope it causes a little uncomfortability with you, causing maybe just a little slight fear, not a fear to cause you to be afraid, but a fear to cause you to reverence this life that you live in Christ and that he is the gatekeeper of life and death. Choose you this day whom you will serve so that when you do, your, your, your time is up and you have to leave this earth, that you will know that while you sleep, there is going to be a day when the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then everyone else and all those on the earth will be resurrected again. And then where are you going to go from there? 
because I lost someone really, really dear to me, I started searching the scriptures. I wanted like a real understanding. You know, I realized that when people have experiences happen to them, they make things up so they can get through the grieving. And I didn't want to make things up. I want to be real, and I want the real understanding. And I searched everything I could to understand they're not back here as ladybugs, y'all. We need those things because they get us through our grieving. But they're excuses for us not to grieve. And God gave us grieving. He gave us a season and a time to grieve. We have to grieve. If we don't grieve, we will be mentally troubled, mentally insane, or even physically sick. We have to grieve. We're humans and we're hurting. They're not talking to us through palm readers as much as I wish it was. I looked, y'all. I was up late at night when Peyton and Bernard went to bed. I got on that computer and I got my Bible out and I got some old books out and I was looking for answers, just looking for answers. It ain't happening. They're resting. They're at sleep. They're not in heaven, in heaven's heavenly choir. Heaven has a choir and they're disembodied spirits. They're called angels. And God didn't take your loved one and make you hurt so much so he could have another rose in his garden nonsense God would never allow children to suffer the loss of a father grandchildren to be without their grandparents a husband or a wife to be without their spouse because he needed it that's a narcissist and we don't serve a narcissist God there is evil in this earth and he told us that when we came here there will be war and there is war on this earth and it's between good and evil and the most powerful aspect about it is most of us who are being used by evil influence because it's invisible, we don't recognize its use of us. We've got to be very careful how evil can crep in. It can creep in unaware and use you, use you through trauma that's unresolved, emotions that are unhandled properly that we're going to learn in the in-service today, how emotions can cause you trouble. We can't make up things, believers, just because we're hurting and grieving. Those who are not with us, we can't have a mass for them and pay a priest thousands of dollars to pray them into heaven. Heaven is one individual's choice. I can't, as much as I'd want my son in heaven, I cannot answer for him. I cannot stand before the porch and the altar and say, God, I stand proxy for my son. I can make intercession through him with proxy, but he has to make that choice for his own. And we can't preach at funerals and, and say because it was our child, oh, I know they made heaven their home. We can't do it. It hurts, y'all. It hurts. It hurts a lot. It hurts a lot when I think about my mother and father. They were good people, but I don't know if they in heaven or hell. They were good people, but I don't know if they were God's people. There's a difference. He said, if you love me, and he gives us different instructions throughout the word of God. If you love me, there's a things that you're going to do for me. Yeah, you're nice to people. Yeah, you give to people. Yeah, you do this, but I don't even know you. Your, your work is in vain to me. I don't know you. This is a serious walk. This is a serious choice. And when we get consumed with the woes and the hurts of this world and not sure if we want to believe God or serve in the church, just hear that alarm that's ringing over each and every one of us. 
and one day we're going to have to answer it. Are you truly going to love him with all your heart, all your mind, all your emotions, with your will? Are you going to love him and choose him? Or are you going to let things separate you from the love of God? He says, I won't let angels, nor life, nor death, separate me from the love of God. As much as I love you, I've got to make a choice. And that choice isn't just for heaven. That choice also manifests in this earth. There's a look we have. There's a talk we have. There's a belief we have. There's an action. There's a, there's a dress we have. There's some um, preachers that I used to follow. It's like every time I start following some preachers that I think are, you know, feeding well and feeding nutrient stuff for my soul, that they get too famous and that commercialism <laughs> steps in and they go left and it's like, unfollow. Well, I had a good word for two years with you. Got to find a new one. Nope, Got to unfollow you. And I begin to ask the Lord, and we're going to deal with this in the in-service more powerfully today, ministers, but I got a few inboxes from people that want to come to the in-service just so they can get the life coaching. <laughs> I hear you. But I was seeking the Lord because there's this couple that used to be very powerful and influential. And they keep going on Facebook, posting them getting tattoos. And it disturbs my soul when I see this. And is it personal for me? Yes, it is, because I hate tattoos. I just think they're nasty. I think skin is beautiful, and I love soft skin. For me, I love the male skin. That's just me, amen? And I don't like those markings. To me, they don't add to you. To me, if anything, they take away from you. But I cannot say that the people who attack people for getting tattoos are correct either. They attack them using the scriptures in Leviticus. And you understand that we don't live under the law. So we cannot apply the law and cause people sinners and whatnot because they're getting tattoos. It, it doesn't apply. If it don't fit, we must acquit. It don't, the scripture, the law doesn't fit the sin. So I got before the Lord and I said, Lord, why does it bother me? Is it just a personal thing for me? Why does it bother me? And as always, in my higher education classes, the Lord speaks. He speaks to me through these goats that are teachers, these rocks that are teachers, these donkeys that are teachers. He speaks to them in psychology to me. And we begin to take a class on the ego and in the training that I'm going to give in the in-services it's going to be on emotional intelligence and we're going to deal with what are emotions how your emotions control you how to control your emotion how your mind can lie to you and we're going to deal with starting today the ego what is an ego who has an ego does everyone have an ego is an ego a bad thing and in this class we learned that because of the ego E-G-O. Our ego is large when we don't have our own identity. So we have a large ego when we don't have our identity. Now, this wasn't a Christian class that I was in. That's why I love how God comes in through the rocks and the, the donkeys and the, the goats. Who said that? My preacher right there? Uh-huh. 
when he comes in and he talks through these instructors, no disrespect on their education, but to me in the kingdom, that's just who they are. And they begin to teach that people who struggle with their identity, not sexual identity, with their identity, because identity is supposed to be taught in the homes when we're children. And I don't know about y'all, but it's kind of skipped over. You might be taught about, and this house, this is how we do things. This last name, you're going to do this in this house. They don't teach us identity. I'm learning your identity. I'm learning nothing about my identity. And because people struggle with identity, they do these things to help identify themselves. And one of the things that is known right now that people are doing excessively is tattooing because people don't know their identity. I sat back and I said, God, you answered in 24 hours of me having this conversation with you. And the more tattoos they have, the deeper their struggle is with their own identity. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, wait till the end service, it gets deeper. I can say more off camera. And they taught that they get into these grandiose behaviors and these things to identify them. They always have to say, I'm different, or I'm weird, or I'm special, because they always have to, they're looking for identification within a tribe that they don't identify with. And because they're struggling with identity issues, they're always looking to boost themselves up around people. They're always looking to hang with the most educated crowd or the crowd that has the best money or the crowd that dresses the best or the crowd that wears the labels. They identify with this group of people, not because they like them, but because it feeds their ego. We're going to have a good time in this class. So what the Holy Spirit talked to me about regarding tattoos and his identity it's not that it's a sin. There's a lot of things that's not sins that he does not want us doing. He didn't make everything sin or good, bad or good. He didn't do that. The issue with the tattoo is that God knows psychologically tattoos are for identity purposes. And when you are in Christ, come on somebody, help me out. When you are in Christ, two things happen through your transformation process. You no longer identify with your old self. You no longer identify with Babylon. You no longer identify with pagan rituals and customs and traditions. You now identify in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. So when he sees us getting tattoos, he doesn't call us a sinner. He says, my baby hasn't accepted their adoption yet. They still don't know who they are yet. They're identifying with everything of the world. They want to be, think of just the roadmap y'all got on some of y'all. We identify with all these things because we haven't accepted our identity in Christ. Most people will say to me, I don't have identity issues. But I'm going to tell you what you don't know about yourself. And that's called metacognition. I've been thinking about what y'all been thinking about. So I've been able to be a little more self-aware than you have been able to be self-aware about your own self. And a lot of the things we do and struggle has an answer to it. 
We think it doesn't have an answer, but as we haven't been enlightened by the truth to understand the answer. There's answers to everything we do and why we did it. I did some things and I searched my soul and I said, why did I do that? Why? What am I thinking about? What was going on with me? And through the research and the confirmation from the Holy Spirit, I got the answers on why I did it. And I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. I'm not healed over there. I got to spend some time healing that part. So I psychologically render it under information and data and facts. And then I take it spiritually to the Lord so he can heal my soul and create in me a new spirit. When we are looking for things of the world to identify with, we have not accepted our new life. Non-Christians know this. So don't feel bad. You're not sinning. The law of Leviticus doesn't apply. First of all, it applied to the Jews, the original Jews. Second of all, we're not living under the law anymore. He's given us grace. Isn't he nice? So why are we so crazy under grace? Why are we chasing the things of the pagans? Why are we trying to live the Babylon's life? Because we don't know who we are. I, I, our identity is skewed. And even bringing it up to today's times, we don't know who we are as individuals, as humans. We struggle in self-awareness. Nobody can't tell you anything. We struggle with low self-esteem. You swear you got it going on. Nobody can even bring any truth to us because we are afraid to confront the truths. And it is the E-G-O, the ego, that stops you from moving from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. God wants all things to become new when you serve him. And he wants also all old things to be passed away. Why are you doing things that the world does? Why is your desire for the things of the world? It's not a sin. You don't have to feel like you're cast out and you don't fit in with the church and, you know, people are talking about me. They can talk about you. They, they talk about people who do good things. They talked about Jesus. But understand, before we even bring it to the text, psychologically, there is an identification issue within you that you are trying to identify with tattoos and piercings and the relationships that you're choosing to be in. I don't want to stir up too much but think about the people you used to choose to date or that you accepted to date why did you choose them do you know there's a reason for that when I went through so detox online the 30 days in 2020 I think that was the one of identification I had to go back by the leading guiding of the Holy Spirit and I had to find out why I married Bernard why I married my son's father. Why I had my first abortion. There's an answer for everything. Why haven't I had any more children since my first abortion? I went back and found answers to things that I was doing in my life, decisions that I made in my life, and thought I knew why I was making the decisions when it was something deep down in my soul that was leading me to the choices and the decisions that I was making still to this day. When you don't allow your new identity in Christ to come on, 
Your identity is skewed, and you're constantly looking for things in your lifetime to identify with. Sometimes you even marry somebody just because you want to be identified at their level. It's amazing. The work is heart-wrenching. You will cry when you find out. Sometimes it's almost like this was one of the dumbest mistakes I ever made. What made me make this mistake? And then you do the work. What I call it with my clients is we connect the dots and the dots connect and you can find out so that you can stop making the decisions that you made then over and over and over again because you choose to be in denial instead of finding out my identity is skewed. Y'all ready for this in-service today? Y'all ready to have lunch with me? And we're going to unpack this stuff that we're bringing into our ministry we're going to unpack this stuff that we're ministering to other people about and don't know why we do it, why we can't relate to some people. We're supposed to be ministers to all people. Why do we have a selected few that we will minister to? It's something in your soul. And you're going to be big boys and girls if you're going to do this with me. That's why I'm doing it in the end service because to me, y'all are the big boys and girls. I just thought that was really deep. Um, Minister Ebony. While you were up here and I saw the Lord transpose you, what I saw transpose was you giving your gift to God and becoming the gift of God. Every time you minister, I love it. I love your ministry. That's why when you joke and say, I don't really want to sing, Apostle, I'll be like, this chick is crazy. God, give me her voice. I'll sing and go right into preaching. Pastor Deacon, take the offering, and we can ride on out of this cookie stand today. Let me get a voice to sing. I'll be like evangelist in the audience. Ah! Every time a song or music or beat is playing, I'll be throwing that voice out there. But today, the Lord showed me two things. He showed me every time you sing, you're professional about it. You're committed to it. You follow the steps, the regulations, and the protocol to be, which we set in this house for praise and worship. But in that, you've only submitted your gift. But today, you became the gift that was submitted to God. Today was different. Do I have a witness? Today was different. You could see her just go. And I'm like, ah, just stay right there. Keep going, keep going. And then oddly enough, he showed me you ministering. And Brittany and, Eb and, and Brittany and John Paul on their knees in front of you. I believe what God is showing me is there is something great in you, that gift that you became today, that once it has come forward with consistency, there is something your sister needs to submit to in you. There's a mighty anointing and a mighty gift on your life. And you downplay it because it's too easy for you. And I'm going to ask God to make it harder for you. Because you grow and change through hard times. If hard times don't come for you, you will be, what's the word? Not comfortable. What is it? Complacent. And for you to get your next level of anointing, it has to come through hardship for you. Not marriage problems and money problem. Something with you and God problem. So he can squeeze you and get out of you 
You've always, Ebony's, Brittany's older, right? You've always looked up to her as the older sister. She walks in her intelligence. She's a teacher by all rights in God. And that has always caused you to believe that those, those matters make her the one you have to look up to. While I was sitting there, I even looked at the scriptures with Joseph and his siblings and um, one of them who had to bow down to the stars. And I was like, God, what are you saying? What are you? I was scrambling with my iPad over there trying to get it all. But I will give you what I do know. There is something great in you that Brittany needs. And for some reason, I saw the image her and John Paul on their knees and you were worshiping over them and your worship was covering them and surrounding them. And I want to encourage you with this. Don't despise your small beginnings. Just because you're the baby or maybe you needed a little more growing up than maybe your siblings needed, God is finishing this work that he has begun in you. In you. God is finishing this work that he has begun in you. And I, I pray and I ask God to bring the revelation to you so that you can help finish that work in your sister because it's mighty in you. And I'm going to charge you, don't downplay it anymore. Don't downplay ebony any longer. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. Come on, church, me and the preacher. That's who you are. It's a, it's a fearful place, but you, you moved in it today. And we were all partakers. I felt like you were in your spiritual closet. And it was just you and God having an encounter. And we were all just favor. We were just witnesses of what was going on. I was waiting to see something miraculous happen up in here because you tapped into that level. I don't believe since you've been in this church, I've ever seen you tapping in a level like that before. I'm just sharing with you that it's beautiful and we want that. And we're going to continue to pray this word through. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. And we know, <laughs> amen, my brothers, that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We learned on last week, to know means to be aware, right? To say you know something means you are speaking in awareness of something. To know something means that you're conscious. The Bible talks about people will be led like sheep to the slaughter, just walking themselves into hell, walking themselves into slaughterhouses, speaking to us, the church, because they're unconscious. They can't hear his voice. Their hearts are hardened. And we're right here in church. To know means to be cognizant. It starts in the mind. Say that. We talked last week about two mindsets. I only got a few minutes today. We, had, we talked about the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. I'm going to tap into that a little bit more as we go on. But today I want to bring us up to Romans 12, where we need to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. What is the mind? Uh-huh. What is the soul? Our awareness. What else? Our emotions. What else? Huh? Appetite. What else? 
our mind, our brain, our heart, our will, all of that. So when he says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, is he asking you just to renew your brain? What is he asking for? All that. He's asking for all that. He's asking for your appetite, your lust, your desires, your wants, your, your, your will. He's looking for all of that. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Most of us take the mind as the brain. It means God just wants my brain. No, he wants your soul, your emotions, your will. God wants it all. God doesn't say by our heart or because he knows our heart or by making vain confessions every day, but by the renewing of the mind, we know. Say that, by the renewing of my mind, I know. What are you saying right there? Based on what we learned just now, what are you saying? By the renewing of my mind, what? I'm aware. I'm cognizant. I'm conscious. You get it? By the renewing of my mind, I know God. When I don't renew my mind, I don't know God. I can't find him. I can't trace him. How many nice scriptures we humla, humla, humla around the church and running around. I follow God when you can't trace him. You can't trace him because you ain't renew your mind today. God's not trying to be hidden. He's not trying to be a secret. He's not trying to be mysterious. That's why he only said to one person, you can call me friend. Nations after you won't even be able to call me friend because they don't want to take the time to know. They don't want to become aware. They don't want to be conscious in me. This life with Christ is a daily renewal of our minds, our soul, our heart, our will, our emotions. God wants our emotions. Do you know the thing that runs us all day long, that, that constant compass that runs? It's our emotions. You have more emotions than you actually think. We don't know the difference between emotions and feelings. I feel like I like this word. It's impossible for you to feel like you like this word. You can think that you'll like this word, but feelings have a physical manifestation in them. And we are so unaware, so unconscious, we use the word feelings all the time. And it's impossible to feel the things we're talking about with feeling. We're not feeling. You have to have a thought that triggers an emotion. You think about someone who passed. It sends an emotion to your body of sadness. The sadness may manifest in crying. And in your body, you feel afraid. You feel shaky. You feel not safe. But we constantly mix up emotions and feelings and think we are the most aware of ourselves. You can't even tell me what you feel. I feel upset. Well, how does upset feel? You know how long it takes to break someone down on an issue they're dealing with? Months. Do you know how many people I work with that have not been to their heart in years? They put their heart away somewhere. And when I ask them, well, how did that make you feel? I think I was fine. Well, how do you know you was fine? Um, mm, because I went on about my day like it was no problem. I said, but three days later, you told me you cussed three people out in traffic. And you said you don't even know why you did it. You're unaware of your own self. You are so used to burying those emotions that when they have to come out, and they will, they usually will come out on the wrong people. 
because we can't tell our emotions from our feelings. God even wants control of our emotions because our emotions will dictate how we handle situations in life, why we date who we date, why we cut off who we won't cut off. I met a lot of men in my lifetime that had money. And for some reason, I was never drawn to them. I'm going back over my life. I'm going over the journal of my life. And I said, God, why did I never, it's like, it was like when I got with them, only women would probably understand this. It was like when I got with them, I purposely dogged them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They were good men, wealthy men. And it was like one time I said, I'm going to go out with them one time, I'm going to dog them. And then I'm not going to answer his calls no more after that. Why did I do that, God? Like, it has nothing to do with who I am now, but I want to know why did I make some of the decisions that I made in my life? Because the decisions that we made in our life back then are still showing up in our life today. Maybe in a different way. But trust me, like temper tantrum little children, they are still there and they're still showing up. And you're still making bad decisions or you're still picking wrong people because you refuse to go back to that little child in you and find out why wouldn't you date men with money? Why were you intimidated by rich men? Why were you intimidated by educated men? Leave a rich man real quick. Call my boo up in the hood. I promise y'all, I'm, I'm being real truthful with you. Hold on, I got to drop off this eight ball and I'm going to pick you up. Why, Suzanne? Why would you choose to date people like that when you had this and you purposely motivated, manipulated in your heart to hurt that person because of what? I wanted to know. I want to know why I did it. And through psychology and the word, I was able to find out why I made the choices that I made back then. Y'all need to spend some time with yourself. There's a lot of things that yourself wants to tell you that you don't even know are plaguing you. My prayer is that you don't leave this earth without having the answers to what you need the answers for in your life. Why do I keep getting sick? Do you know I used to get the flu the same time every year? Anybody ever had that? The same time every year I would get sick. What is that? It was a seasonal depression in my life. And my body would be so depressed and I'd be trying to work through it and do all the normal things through it, thinking that I could just, you know, usurp my body's authority, what God gave it in the earth realm. And I'd work through it and I'd travel through it and I'd go out through it and I'd do everything through it. And then it would catch up with me and shut my body down. It was the same time every year. My body was telling me something. My body was telling me, you're not happy. And you're so unhappy, you're making yourself sick. And you can get through 10 months, but by the 11th and 12th month, you're down with the flu again. I want to talk to you. Your body. God offers us an opportunity to stop doing things the same way we're doing things. He offers us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. He offers us a new heart, a heart of flesh, but we don't want to give him the heart because our heart has been broken and I don't have anything to give you but pieces. God said, I want your pieces because little becomes much when you place it in my hands. I promise you, I can take that heart of stone and I can give you a heart of flesh. You can breathe again. You can love again. You can think again. You can sleep again. You can eat healthy. You really can. Thank you, Jesus. In order to believe the text, the text and we know, that all things work together for the good to them that love God, 
to them who are called according to his purpose, we must have a transformed and renewed mind. Say that to yourself. I must. My goal is to be transformed and renewed in my mind. A living sacrifice to God is one who does not conform, but one who is transformed. Every time we take on the ways of the world, we are conforming to the world because we show God we haven't accepted his love. We haven't accepted the adoption in Christ. So every time you conform to the world, you desire the things of the world, you are not transformed. There's no conversion if you can't prove transformation. I don't have to judge you. All I got to do is look at you. All I got to do is hear your conversation. There is no conversion if there's no transformation. Uh, if you ever want to learn about the anointing, a real good teaching on the anointing, check out Benny Hen's site and see if he still has that class up there. I've been wanting Pastor Kareem to take this class for years, and I never gave it to him. When we moved, I opened up this binder, and I saw the whole binder in there. He teaches on the anointing. And he teaches how when the anointing has come upon an individual, they become another man. They become another person. The anointing will change your voice. The anointing will change your walk. The anointing will change how you think, how you talk, how you love. That's why we need an anointing. You know we need an anointing to love. Nothing in your natural mind will love somebody that has slapped you, cheated on you, stole from you, robbed you, ruined your name talked about you in church and then come back and say can we join the church again it takes an anointing we can't love without the anointing we have to know the roles of the anointing the role of the Holy Spirit so we can pull on the things that God has given us so we can live this transformed life otherwise we're going to go from transformation to conversion transformation to confirmation transformation to conformity we're going to constantly be going back and forth and be like this is too hard it's too hard. I'm just going back into the world. It's hard because you're struggling with your mind or your heart with God. And that's all he wants you to take. He don't need you to know his scriptures. That will come. That's spiritual. It will come with the transformed heart and the renewed mind. Learning of the scriptures will be nothing from you. Learning how to, why don't I desire to go to church anymore? You're not transformed. Y'all think y'all get on each other's nerves. And you still want to come back. What makes you do that? You could join any church. You can go to any place you want to go. What makes you keep coming back? Because there's a transformation that has started making progress in you. And deep down inside your soul, your spirit man is telling you, if you move from this spot, you're going to reset your whole transformation progress, and what we call backsliding just generally means slowly but surely conforming to the world again, desiring to look like them, desiring to talk like them. We were never supposed to look like the world, ever. The world is supposed to be so excited about this transformation, the world is supposed to be running to us. What must I do to be saved? How do I do this? We can't bring them to the church and bring them to the altar because no one's transformed in a twinkling in an eye until salvation comes. It's a work in progress, and it's a work we don't want to do. People would rather fake it for 30 years in church. Mother so-and-so, mean as demons from hell. The nurses, let me die before that nurse come over to me. 
That's the mentality because there has been no transformation. People are mean and nasty and cheap and rude and unloving and unforgiving, lacking kindness and gentleness and meekness and perseverance. Where there is no fruit of the Spirit, there's been no transformation of the Spirit. Be ye conformed by the renewing of your minds, not renewed of the world. It's not that hard. People come to me all the time, how do you do this? I mean, I know it's God, but I don't know how you do this. I've been transformed. How do you meet with all these people? I've been transformed. How do you preach and then teach and then take care of your home and then counsel? I've been transformed. People don't get it because most often the human experience is only understood when you walk in those shoes. For the human being, we have to walk in those shoes to understand a transformation progress. We would rather be in church and lie. We would rather be in church and continue being evil. And You're so evil, nobody even wants to come to you and tell you that you're evil. So you die evil. And when you're at your funeral, we had an evil person funeral. And we all know it, but nobody ever says anything until they get in the parking lot. And you got the real prophets out there. Mother so-and-so, sure it was evil. Man, that was the meanest woman I ever met. She ain't never said nothing nice to me. Evil in the house of God. Been in church all your life. You wore the right length of skirts. You wore the right doily on your head. You didn't come in here with your makeup all over the place. You ain't never slept with nobody's man and you're nasty. You're evil and you're mean because you have not been transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's so easy. How do you love somebody who despitefully uses you? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I give, God, when I don't even have enough to give? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I give to the poor? How do I help the widow? How do I help the orphan? How do I visit those that are in church? How do I visit the sick? How do I come to church during COVID when I'm scared to death? Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where there's no conversion, there is no transformation. Y'all are going to be able to look at yourself and be like, oh, girl, that, that right there got to go under the blood. Oh, brother, that ain't dead yet. That's got to go under the blood. That means I put it under the blood list because I'm working out conversion because I'm heading towards transformation. You just can't even believe the scriptures without transformation. The scriptures are crazy. Are they not? To a natural mindset, they're crazy. That's why we try to bring Babylon and we try to bring in our worldly identifying factors of the world into the church. Oh, we can do praise and worship looking like this. Oh, they just, oh, that's why they don't like the way I look. No, we just still recognize a certain kind of woman. See, I changed. I've been transformed because old me would have said it. The old me would have said it. We understand. We understand. Would you believe that it took God time? And he is so patient. He took the time to love me through my mini skirts. The church hated seeing me come every Sunday. And I was one of the members, y'all. I came every Sunday. I ain't never miss a Sunday. And I know it was like, if anybody needed to miss a Sunday, we, my skirts was here. And I would come walking in the church, and they'd be like, this heifer here. I was preached about. 
I was talked about. I was misunderstood. I was rejected. I was lied about. I was a threat to the married people and never wanted a married man from nobody else's man in my entire life. They had no idea who was in their midst. They didn't know that I was an apostle formed in my mother's womb waiting for some confirmation to come in my life so that transformation could come to my soul and I could be renewed by this new mindset in Christ. They didn't know. And if it was up to the church, I would have still been a... They didn't know. Sometimes the church can be the biggest blocker to God. The church can be the biggest block to God. Sit your unholy, unrighteous self down and take a seat or two if you need it. But leave people alone. Let the Holy Spirit, who has never lost one, never failed one, let him learn how to do his job with his people and you stay out of his way. Now, it doesn't mean someone's not going to come over there and tap you and say, I want to talk to you for a minute. I want to share my testimony with you. I want to I help you and I want to guide you. We're not asking for you to be a hypocrite. We're not asking you to fake it until you make it. I just want you to know that the Holy, I'm praying for the Holy Spirit and he's going to help you because the way you're showing up, you're not going to get what it is that God has for you. You're going to keep attracting the things that you want to detract from your life. You're a new person. You're a beautiful young woman. You're a handsome, intelligent, bright young man. And you deserve a great woman in your life. You don't want a woman that's great on YouTube and a woman who's great on social media. You want a woman who's great by your side. That's what you want. That's what you want. You want someone who's been in conversion school. Because once they go through conversion school, they can walk through Transformation University like it's no problem at all. You can't even believe scripture without transformation. It just makes no sense to the unregenerated mind. That's why he wants that renewed mind. Because when the mind is not renewed, it's unregenerated. It's not even processed in a language. This is like tongues to someone who can't even understand it. No interpretation. I'm going to end here. We cannot only serve God with our heart. So if you've got some matters of your heart, start writing. Through my transformation with God, y'all, he came to me and said, I want you to write down everyone you ever slept with. I had to make a list of everyone I slept with. And he said, I want it all. I'm coming for everything. I want it all. I want names. I want identifications. However you are able to explain who they are, I want it all. And when you're done with that, I want you to put your hand on it and say, God, forgive me and cover me because I desire to be transformed. Break every soul tie inside of me. Renew my mind to a righteous man. Break the tie from this type of man. This is not what you have for me, God. I had to go through years of crazy conforming with God. If, if y'all didn't know me, you might have thought that I was bipolar. That's how intense the transformation progress was. God stripped everything, broke everything until he got to my Eden identity and began to walk me out of Eden with him so that I could be transformed and renewed in my mind. And when he was done with me, he told me, don't stop there. This has to happen every day for the rest of your life. 
We cannot only serve God with our heart. We cannot only serve God with our mind. He wants it all. That's where I'm going to stop. I'm going to pick up here next week. Are y'all blessed? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Don't lie in the house of God. Be ye transformed. I believe we're going to have an amazing altar call. An amazing altar call. I believe for a lot of the yokes and burdens that we've been carrying, that a lot of those yokes are going to break over these next few weeks, however long God wants to take us through this series. A lot of us have given God parts of us, and we're not even aware that we haven't been able to give him all of us. I believe in Genesis where he says there will be enmity between your offspring and my offspring. I believe he was talking about the ego, E-G-O. And we're going to learn a lot more about that over the next few weeks. But for those ministers and ADTs, bring your helmets. Not for me, for yourself, because the Holy Spirit is going to deal with you individually. I'm going to teach and flow. But the Holy Spirit, if he's in there, he's going to be the comforter for you, and he's going to have you acknowledge your ways and have you course correct some of the things you've been repeating over and over and over again in your life and don't even know why. You ever wonder why it's hard for us to eat healthy? Why is that a struggle for us? It's something in our soul. There's a deep belief about something in there, and it could be a fear of success. What if I succeed? And then what's going to happen to me? Will people expect more from me? What if I fail? What if I can't even meet success? So I'll do nothing at all. I'll stay in a fixed mindset and won't allow God to gradually grow my mindset to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for your people here today, live streaming online and those here in person. I thank you for all that you're doing with us today. I pray that you encapsulate this word in us, God, for all the work that you've already started in us, in our lives, all the work that you started here in the apostles' house. I pray, God, that we continue to surrender all so that you can continually get the glory out of our lives. And because you're such a good and gracious God, even the downfalls, the mistakes we make, you even use it for our good. We thank you for not shunning us, shaming us, closing the door from us, discouraging us, throwing us away, continually keeping our adoption papers before us, letting us know that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. May we come out of the closets of our identities and walk into the identity that you have given us in. Let us not focus on the same sex and those struggling with sexual issues only. Let us focus on ourselves and let us run to this altar and ask, how might I be saved? I want to be transformed and renewed in my mind. We bless you, Father, for each and every person under the sound of my voice and those that will be listening on replay, that there will be an anointing that will search them out and bring them into such a place of peace as you transition yourself in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going home. I think we've announced everything from Harford Current to the New York Times on today. 
If you'd like to sow a seed, Pastor Caritha is making her way up here. You're welcome to do so. Outside of that, we thank you for being with us today. And we thank you, Father, that your angels will watch guard over us. And our rear guard angel will also be with us. And I pray that we will continue to pray for one another that we might meet again on this side of the dirt and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Ministers, you got about...